it's exhibited by culture wars. But okay. don't, at the end of the day, you've got a massive proportion of the country who just feel hopeless. And somebody's giving them hope. Even if he's okay, a bumbling idiot, he's giving them hope. Mm-hmm. I do absolutely believe that the, the left message is not hopeful. It's, it's sort of, everything is shit. We can fix it, but everything is shit. Welcome to the Not Bane podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a black millennial view. Every Sunday, join Corey and me, Bay, your resident centre lefty, as we look at Parliament, the headlines and stories from across the pond and the diaspora. We've got a slight change this week to the show, as it was Super Thursday on Thursday, the 6th of May. We had a bunch of elections in the UK, which we're going to cover this week. So we're going to dispense with a lot of the other sections. We are not going to PMQs. We're not going to address that. We're not going to do Thought of the Week. We're not going to do Across the Pond. It's just straight, hard-hitting politics stuff, elections chat. So, <laughs> All right, so, drama llama. I'm just so excited about this week. I got really excited. Yeah, anyway, I can tell. Indeed. Right. We are going to start off with Hartlepool. The Hartlepool by-election. Tell us about the Hartlepool Indeed. by-election. Indeed. Um, well... To be in the kindest way possible, uh, Labour were absolutely slaughtered. I mean, oof. It was, um, I believe that the vote share, they got 8,000 votes. Yep. In That's me rounding, obviously. But they 8, got 8,000 votes. 8,000 to... votes. Compared to the uh, last election in 2019, when they got... 15,464 and in mm-hmm. 2017 they got 21,696. Yeah yeah and I guess we should look at it in terms of vote share because obviously the last election was during a general election where the turnout is mm-hmm. usually higher so the turnout last time like in terms of everybody who voted in that across all parties in that in that seat was 41,000 people whereas this time it was 30,000 people who voted but even so the absolute numbers are always going to be a bit lower but even if you look at the, um, the the share, the vote share, in 2019, their vote share was 37.7%. And that was when you had a big uh, Brexit party element to it as well. So they had 30, almost 40% of the vote in 2019. This year, their 8,500 votes equated to 29,000. They dropped nine percentage points in, yeah. what, 18 months? Um, but then when you look at that way, yeah. I'm the swing. So I was looking at something earlier this well, not earlier this week, yesterday. The swing in the vote, right? It's the biggest swing ever for a party um, during for a by-election during mm-hmm. uh, for a by-election. It's the biggest swing ever. When was the previous one? The previous biggest swing, which they doubled. So this being the swing from one party to the next. So from Labour to Conservative swing. The next highest, which was half, like the swing level, was in 1945. And as I was uh, yes. Right. And as I was pontificating earlier this week when I was talking about how (laughs) Labour have only ever won, um, they've only been newly elected as a government twice in the history of British politics. Okay, three times, but I wasn't counting 1945 because we just come out of a war. So even in this sense, again, talking about this swing, the last time the the next biggest swing down was in 45. So if you take that out, then it's even worse. It's terrible. It's terrible. It is. Would you like to give us a little bit of your um, northern analysis of why you think this is? And then I can counter with my own personal views, which I'm sure you will say I'm wrong. So why do you think that your party came out you know, on top so much in Hartlepool as, as the incumbent party and the party of cuts and the party of austerity and the party of um, food banks? Why do, what do you think with their messaging was able to cut through that uh, Keir's messaging was not? As a fan of Bojo, do tell us. So for starters, I have no party. Again, it seems like I have to say this every week. 
I am not a member of any political party. Anyway, as to why this has happened, okay, so firstly, I think we should look at the fact that this was part of a trend. So mm-hmm. to be fair to Labour, to be fair to Starmer, whoever, to be fair to them, the vote share has been going down, okay? Generally. I did say that, yeah, a couple okay, of weeks so ago. My astute analysis, thank you. Indeed. Um, but I think part of it as well is, so if you look, if you look closer at the numbers, um, yes, this time there was no Brexit party. And obviously, a lot of the Brexit party votes, there's been, uh, there was a survey study done recently that showed that, you know, showed what everybody already knew, the majority of Brexit party votes um, would, would switch to the, to the Conservative Party, even though there mm-hmm. is a, a small minority of those votes who would have gone to Labour as well. So it's, but do you think it's a small minority? Because it actually seems like a lot well, of the um, ex-Labour voters went to the Brexit party so and rather than the, going back to Labour, went to Conservative. According to that Servation uh, study, it was only 5%. Mm-hmm. 5% okay. and I think 70-odd percent were Tory. So it is a big difference mm-hmm. and it is a small minority. Mm-hmm. But my point is this. Yes, Brexit party aside, what you also had is you had a lot of Labour voters who just didn't turn out. Yeah. So, so they can't. So that's the thing. They can't. Turn, Labour Party can't turn around and say, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah, you know," because I've heard this in the past couple of days. They'll say, "Well, if you look at the numbers from the last election, there were fifteen thousand Labour votes, but there were ten thousand Brexit Party votes and eleven thousand Conservative Party votes." And they'll be like, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, if you add ten and eleven, you get twenty-one. So, you know, if you add in the Brexit Party, it makes sense." Yeah, cool to a degree, but a lot of Labour votes just didn't turn out. So explain the vote shares, um, if you can talk about the vote shares actually, because what I think is really interesting is that the um, vote shares of the other parties and independent Mm -hmm. parties in um, Hartlepool as well. So if you give us that, it would be great. And then we can... um... Yeah, I mean, if you look at, say, Liberal Democrats, um, Mm -hmm. they were the third party last... Sorry, after Brexit party, they were the fourth party last time. It was only a small vote share, but it was 4.1%. This Mm -hmm. time, 1.2%. You know, um, so... But Greens... Greens, I mean, all of the other parties had t- Greens didn't even have a, have a candidate last time. Yeah. yeah. They didn't even have a candidate. And, and another big factor in Hartlepool, I mean, there are other factors which are going to touch on sort of more national issues. And we're going to talk about just general local elections later. So I won't mention them now. But another factor which was specific to Hartlepool was that Hartlepool are in Tees Valley. So yes. Tees Valley is a region in Northeast England and they have a regional mayor. And their regional mayor, who's, who's a conservative, conservative yeah. yeah, is really popular. And he won again. And so that's part of it too. Um, you know, there's an association with him, the fact that he, he's really popular. He's seen as somebody who's, you know, sort of an understudy in a sense of Johnson, you know, backing Johnson's vision in the Northeast. And so, so mm. he's already popular. So there was obviously a bounce for the, for the Conservative Party president for that. Another element of it is just stupidity in Labour. So basically the guy who ran for Labour, Paul Williams, right? This guy was a former MP. He lost... He lost his seat in 2019. So his seat was in Stockton, which is next to Hartlepool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he, I think he, I think he came in in 2017 and he lost his seat in 2019, the last general election. So what do Labour do? They reward failure with, um, with, with, with another run at the, a, a local seat. You lost the seat next door, you know, not even you lost the seat in the other part of the country where the politics are different. You lost the seat in the neighbouring constituency and they thought, yeah, let's get this guy again to go for the na- next door seat. And also, this guy's a massive Remainer. A mass- massive, a, massive Remainer, not from there. In a part of the country that's massive, massively Brexit. So you've rewarded a guy who failed last time with a, with a run at a seat next door. And not only that, he's a big Remainer in a place that a huge on Brexit. It's just don't like how how like what is this like? <laughs> it sounds like it's self sabotage to me. That just appears like self sabotage to me. Um, so I've mentioned I mean, things. What do you think? Do you, do you think there's anything else um, to add into it? Why you think they they lost so badly? 
I mean, there's lots of things why they lost so badly. I think a lack of messaging. Mm -hmm. what, what do Labour stand for? What do the current Labour Party stand for? A lack of understanding or of choosing to not understand um, the area. It's all right talking about, you know, the red wall, the red wall. It was a perfect opportunity to practice um, getting out to voters, practice messaging, to be figuring out what sticks, what does stick. There yeah. doesn't seem to be any of that. You put in a Remain candidate with a Remain um, head of party coming in, coming in, having no clear vision. You know, when people are interviewing, interviewing the candidate, he hasn't got a clear vision for what he wants for the area. Kids going to school, getting good grades. Like, come on, what is your plan specific to the area, to the wants and needs of the voters in this area? They didn't have one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, people say, there's a lot of defence now, you know, people saying things like, you know, a lot of pundits, Labour pundits, other pundits saying, you know, shouldn't read too much into it, you know, it's, it's one by-election in one constituency. But the point is, incumbent governments do not win by-elections. And, and they don't win by-elections by the massive amount that they did this time. So, yeah, it's all well and good saying, oh, well, you know what, it's one place, it's one time, you know, it was going down, it was this, that and the other, you know, you know, the dog ate my homework. No, you are the opposition. Opposition don't get trounced in by-elections and they don't get trounced in places no, that they, they have never not. lost. Like, they've never lost. Since this seat was created in 1974, Labour have never lost. This was Peter Mandelson's seat. The dude, 25 years ago, he won 61% of the vote share. 61%. <laughs> and now they've got 28%. That doesn't happen. It's too, much, it's too much focus grouping and not enough actually going out and talking to the people on the ground and getting to know the people in the area, bringing in somebody to stand who's a person in the area who understands what's supposed to be going on. That is Definitely. what they failed to do. Definitely. Well, let's move on to the next section. We're going to be talking about sort of local elections more generally. And um, I'm sure there'll be some things which will apply on that, which we can add to, to why Hartlepool turned out the way it did. So moving directly on to the local elections, which covered the uh, whole of England. Um, and I'll give you a quick rundown. So the Conservative gained 12 councils and 250 councillors. Labour uh, lost eight councils. councils and lost 313 councillors. The Greens didn't gain any councils, but they gained 171 councillors, taking them up to 123. Liberal Democrats won one extra council and lost two councillors. And I thought, I just thought I would throw this in there that UKIP lost all 47 councillors that they previously had. So all of them. That's all, all of them, all 47. Yeah. So they're down to zero councillors. Wow. and zero councils. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, actually, just so you know, to round up as well, actually, you know what we're going to talk about that when we get onto the mayoral stuff. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so Labour struggling in the locals as well. It was um, a bit sad to see, mm -hmm. to be honest. But, you know, that we did have some holds. There were some Labour holds in um, Preston, um, Bristol. They did uh, all right in Bristol as well. So there have mm -hmm. been some, oh, uh, where else? Cambridge, no, that's a mayoral gain actually. But you know, they did, they had some, they had some places where Labour did well, but you know, if I say it was ones which had a clear vision about what they were bringing to their communities, they had a connection with the community and they had um, strong principles and they were socialists, but it's not that they were just socialists, it's that they were integrated with their local community, communities, worked with their local communities and had a specific vision for the areas, which clearly, has done well. And also let's be honest, some local councils, it doesn't matter what um, 
side of the political spectrum they're on they're not very good they're just incumbents and can get a bit you know complacent so that could be a lot to do with it as well well i think um yeah the, <clears throat> you know if you just look at the top line headlines if you look at you know the leader stories on the, the, the local national national news and things like that you'll think oh labor lost everywhere they lost everything and it's all doom and gloom and it's all hell and you know the party's done let's you know let's close shop i mean they actually did do you know they did well in some places wales for example yeah. they've held wales like so now they held wales yeah by the time of the next um general elections you know if they hold what they've got in wales for the next couple of years they'll have been in power in wales for 30 years so yeah. so that's something to shout about and they've got really half here. and they've got they've got half of the um they've got half of the council the parliament sorry 30 they've yeah. got 30 seats yeah in the senate i believe i'm i hope i pronounced that right senate it's pronounced senate thank you yeah Thank you for my Welsh lesson. Um, so there are there are definitely areas where they've done well. Okay, you know my part of the world, Manchester, um, and this is what we were talking about before we started the show. Yes, uh, go on. Uh, t- talk to us about, uh, about talk the... to us about what they've been doing up north in the Mancunian towns. Yes, yes, I will. I will. I will discuss the the state of play in in in, in England's second city. Um, so they yeah. So Manchester, <clears throat> Manchester is made up of ten boroughs, yeah. and Labour control eight. So they have yeah. eight of the boroughs in Manchester. Uh, the Conservatives have one, and Liberal Democrats just t- actually took another one from Labour. So it was nine to one. Um, so, you know, look at, like, this is what I was saying to you at the start of the show. And in some ways, it's good for them, but in some ways, it just shows how, on a national level, how just screwed they are. Because if you take out inner London, yeah, take out Manchester, take out Liverpool, and take out Wales, like, Labour's non existent. And yes, obviously, you know, you've got to account for the fact that those places have, relatively speaking, big populations, you know, relative to the rest of the country, you add up those populations, you're talking best part of 20 million people. So yeah, it's still a lot mm-hmm. of people. But just in terms of like, you know, areas of the country, you take out those areas, and where where are Labour? They're nowhere. So so it's all well and good me, you know, trying to put a bit of a positive spin on it to say, you know, well, you know, you guys have got these places, and which is true, you know, and I'm not going back on what I said before, it's still a good thing if you're a Labour person to hold on to. But damn, you lot are you're not in trouble. Okay, I won't say you lot because you've already said you've totally divested from them. Um, mm, but it's, it's, it's really first terrible. of all, can you not bring our private conversations onto the podcast, please? Okay, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's shocking. But, it's terrible. And I mean, at the end of the day, right? You know, <laughs> Keir Starmer. Can I? Can I just rant about Keir? Can I? Can I rant? About you can, can I? go on. Please oh, do right. rant about Keith. Give us your give us your thoughts on Keith. Keith is. I mean, just Keith. What? what why? Why is he there? You know, Keith reminds me of. Uh, Gordon Brown, you know, he, you've got these people, it's what, it's what a lot of people don't realise that at the end of the day, politics, especially politics in, in the UK right now, it's just about personalities. That's it. That's it. It's about people. It's about people. He Nobody wants none. anyone sensible. Like you can be, you can be mildly sensible that you're not an insane person, but Boris Johnson hair goes in 25 directions. Please, clearly it's not about He's a manager, right? He's just a manager. He's a good manager, competent lawyer. Gordon Brown was a brilliant economist. Did he win the election? No. Um, I don't know what it is about, and I guess I do know what it is. Labour got so shook after 2019, and they thought, you know, Corbyn's just ruined us, so we just need to kind of hunker down and go safe. Going safe is not what you want. Going safe is is just complete wrong direction. because Especially not for Labour, because people barely think of you as safe anyway. Right. People want somebody they can identify with. People want, and for all you want to say about Johnson, and I agree with most of it, people just want somebody who's going to talk to, it's the same with Farage. I went on Question Time one time, right? Not went on it. I was, in, I was in the audience. And yeah. um, I think it was, 
it was um i think it was the 2015 general election i think it was the, the show before that right and um, farage was on the panel and i must have sounded like a proper little ukipper because i basically yes. told he was on the panel michael gove was on the panel and some other people were on there and i gave it to gove and i was like look you know you lot don't realize that this guy to your left not politically just sat to your left um speaks to people in a way that none of you none of the rest of you do okay mm-hmm. yes of course he puts a lot of people the wrong way and for good reason because they just were you know you could just nativist party whatever cool but they still speak to a big section of the people who are like you know what yeah he's talking my language he sounds like me and these people can't do it i'm not saying you have to replicate the message but you have to replicate the style and yeah it's shallow it's superficial and, you know you can say well it should be about policies and how we how we're going to improve no people want first somebody <laughs> that they can talk to and see and understand and think, you know what? Yeah, he's a politician. I do agree. Yeah, I'm never going to trust him 100% because he's a politician. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I trust him more than the others. That's all you have to do. And that's all that Johnson's doing now. I don't think most people are under any illusion that Boris Johnson is this great statesman. You know, this guy who's going to go down in history as one of Britain's greatest prime ministers. Even the people who vote But he's somebody that. that you listen to chat nonsense right. at the pub, though. Right, He absolutely right. is. And not to be the constantly breaking it down to, oh, who would you buy, buy have a pint with at the pub? Because it's not even about who you would have a pint with at the pub, but it's like somebody that you might engage in conversation and like, you might have two laughs with, might be like the word joke or something, you might have two laughs with and keep it moving because, you know, fine. That's what, that's what, like, somebody who's slightly personable, like See, his summer seems fine, but he just seems like he couldn't like maintain a five minute small talk conversation in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. He'd start talking about something weird. Like that's what he gives off. Yeah. Just boring. Geography just teacher boring. vibes. Geography teacher vibes. No, could come to a like, like no, not even geography teacher. Geography, geography teacher teachers. could be mildly interest, mildly interesting, you know. Not mine. Have a good fact in there. Oh well, <laughs> all my yeah. teachers were quite interesting. But I just they are they are they are heading no. to oblivion, right? So what was mm-hmm. his face? I think um, oh god, who was it? Ian Lavery, who was like he's a Labour MP. He was the chair of the party till last year, and yeah. I take what these people say with a pinch of salt because I saw Lord Adonis, who used to be the transport secretary under Tony Blair. Obsessed with Tony Blair, that guy. My goodness gracious! I also heard from what's his face, who runs Unite the Union. These people, they've all they've all got their agendas. So the guy who runs yeah, Unite great. is going to say, "Care bad, Jez are good." Adonis is going to turn around and say, Jezebel, Kier, okay, Blair, great. They're all going to have their mm-hmm. agendas. However, you know, you got to pick some of the, you know, you got to pick a bit of what they say because there's always a bit of truth from some of what they say, even though half of it's Absolutely. just propaganda. And, and one of them said, he said something this week, he was like, you know, um, the Labour Party started with one Kier, you know, Kier Hardy back in the day, and it's going to end with another Kier, Kier Starmer. Now, I think that's an overstatement, Aww. but I think it does speak to a wider truth. It speaks to a wider, it speaks to how British politics is being realigned. And this whole left, right, centre bullshit, the Tories have figured out how to get beyond that. And they've built this weird coalition, but it's not weird mm-hmm. when you think about it. It's weird when you think about it from a traditional lens of left and right. It's like and, we're going to give stuff to you and, and not to those people. Right. We, you, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we want more jobs. You guys are, you guys can work and are good at jobs. We're going to find jobs that you guys want to do. We don't need all of those other people. We can do it all on our own. We're the best, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to give money to small businesses. So you can, as long as you feel like you can afford food and do, do two holidays a year, you're good to go. I did want to like, chuck in about what you were saying about ending with Keir Cummins. I don't know if I said this already, but Cummins uh, described uh, Keir as a beta lawyer, a gamma politician. I mean, and I have no love for Dominic Cummings, but neither do I. I mean, but I thought that was pretty on the money, right? Absolutely on the money. Absolutely on the money. Just sort of. And you know, it only I think because of the situation that Labour are in, his ineptitude at you know being a front-facing leader of a party is more stark because 
he's up against somebody who is um who one is Boris Johnson's personal and two everything can't be being BP and Q's and whether he's cutting through with forensic questions or not he's not even interesting enough to get through his wind at PMQ's out on social media and also I think the um alienating the left side of the party which is where all your campaigners come from that's where you get all your chatterati from you know those are the people who are going to be doing numbers outside on the streets and online if you if you alienate all of those people any messages that you do have are not even going to be cutting through because nobody's going to be talking about you no and you've alienated them you're not getting anyone campaigning out on the streets for you you can't get anyone up to Hartlepool on a bus to come and hand out leaflets and those sort of things I know you don't think that they matter but for somebody for people like Labour those things matter having the footfall and people who are dedicated to your cause and willing to go and walk in the rain and in a windstorm you don't have them anymore you just you told them that they're not important they should get out no, I, again, I, I mean, I take the point. Yeah, of course, you need people on the ground. You need people doing the door to door knocking the address. Yes, 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 yes. You do. But again, we have to dispense with this whole left right continuum. It, no, but it's not about the left right continuum in terms of his belief in them. I'm talking about him alienating them for, in order so you don't have the you don't have the foot soldiers to get out any of your message because your message is rubbish. True, but your message is not even out there. No, because no, it's not cutting through at all, which is part of the problem. And the people who would get the message out there are not involved. And also, you don't have a message, so no one can even pretend you know, to, to try and string two words together to right. pretend that you're making any sort of sense. Do you get but, what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, it's not the mm-hmm. message, the message isn't the problem, it's the lack of a message, right? So it doesn't, yes. so this whole Correct. thing about that, and what I'm saying is, I think both sides of Labour are getting it wrong, because you've got one side saying, you know, like the Adonises and people like that saying, you know, you, we need to purge the left and we need to go right. Go right where? What I'm trying to say well, is, exactly. this whole left-right thing, it doesn't work anymore, because there is no right yeah. to go to, because at the end of the day, you go... You can't even say, and people, and then people say, oh, well, the Tories have taken up the, the centre. The Tories haven't taken the centre. What the Tories have done is they've masterfully taken the little bits that make up the majority of what people want in this country. And they've put it together in this sort of hodgepodge. And mm-hmm. we'll, and that, yeah, it's going to fall apart. There was a time piece about that. Yeah, but, we'll do. but, right, equally from the other side, you people on, on the left saying, oh, we need to go left. Well, I'm sorry, you're fighting the last war. And it's same thing with Jeremy, it's Jeremy Corbyn. It's Jeremy Corbyn all over again. He was on, uh, on Channel 4 last, yesterday, right? Saying, you know, talking about just the same trot, basically fighting the last war, saying we need to go back to our manifesto of 17 and 19. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. And I'm there looking at him thinking, mate, how are you talking about how we need to fight the last war when you lost the last war on these same... And I'm not saying that... And things like infrastructure and broadband and spending don't matter to people. Of course they do. The Tories have taken that part of your message and just taken it for themselves. Of course those things matter. But this whole sort of meta-narrative of how we need to go left and whatever, no, it doesn't work because the language doesn't resonate with people. You need to do what the Tories have done. Well, it's too late now because they've done it and they've totally realigned themselves. They've totally put, cast themselves as the, the party of the people, the party who will spend. So they've taken that economic moderate sort of vein that runs through most English, the English voter electorate. They've taken that. They've coupled it with their culture wars, anti-wokery BS. Um, they've married that together. They've, and they've shed their social, they've, set, they've shed their social conservatism. So what they've done is they've taken three things, which I think make up a, a good way of measuring how English, the, the English electorate works. They're economically moderate. They are socially liberal. And they are culturally conservative. And the Tories have taken all three and said, you know what, we're going to pick up all three of those. They've shed the nasty party image for a lot of people. You know, they're no longer the party of Margaret Thatcher saying you can't teach or you can't promote homosexuality, as they used to call it in schools. They've shed all of that. They've, However, they've kept on with this cultural conservatism, you know, 
Britain, you know, talking up Britain, uh, law and order, you know, anti-woke, you know, PC gone mad. They've, they've kept that element. And then they've just said, you know, and then they've opened the checkbook. And it, so none of this works on sort of left and right because it's, it's both, it's both. Labour just need to figure out what their both is. They need to figure out how they combine stuff. I don't know what those stuff are. I don't work for them, so I don't have to. Um, and they need to do something else, something like that. And that's why I say both sides getting it wrong. It's not about going further right. It's not about going further left. It's about finding some kind of joint up message and getting somebody to front it who's got the personality more than a carrot. And they should charge me for that advice. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Like, where, tell me where I've gone wrong. I, I don't I want to be right. I didn't want to. I wanted to let you know, get all that the puffery off your chest. You finished? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, Ooh, it was going on for a while there. Really, I have to put my clock. Um, <laughs> like, I, first of all, I feel like you've stolen some of the things that I said to you earlier. But whatever, thief. Um, I don't disagree with you. I absolutely do not like. Don't think that trying to trying to be in this sort of distinct left, distinct right, we're trying to meet in the centre. I don't think believe that Labour can meet anyone in the centre. There's already, there are centrist parties already. The Greens are picking up votes. Mm -hmm. So it's having a clear message. And also what you say is, because let's be real, we're talking, like, first of all, I think it's time left Jeremy Corbyn alone, like, please. He's but the one who came be, on TV. But no, yeah, because they're, they're going to go to him as a former leader of the party. And he said, these are the things that we need to go, we need to talk about. But let's be real. Like you said, the Tories have taken a lot of those policies, the policies, and they've spun them around. Because remember, what the, the issue, what the Tories are always able to do is where Labour can say, we're going to do this, and then it will be scrutinised, and they'll be, you know, they want to be doing um, forensic accounting. The Tories can say exactly the same thing and do not have to provide where the money is coming from. So they can, you know, be handing out contracts to their mates at the same time as giving everybody money and no one's got asking any questions and I think that's what part of the problem is is because they are taking the policies that we are putting forward so let's not pretend that there isn't there isn't a market for them there clearly is they're the, the, um, the um, electorate is lapping them up mm -hmm. the issue is one the messenger mm -hmm. let's be honest Labour's messaging is not is not great and I don't know if it's because the party does not have enough money or if they're not willing to get into the mud and you know brawl naked but that the conservatives can play dirty politics and they do it well fairly and labor cannot and for some reason this, even this local election is now becoming about labor infighting and that is what we're talking about and it's like why is labor infighting you know going to be the the news for the next three to four weeks batten down the hatches shut up shop everybody stop briefing against each other let's all get in a room and have a conversation and figure it out and come out in one line on one message and they're not able to do that and I'm, nobody's not saying that the Tories aren't, aren't messy because just two weeks ago Cummins was briefing against the prime minister left right and center but tighten up we're just not tighten and part and this is because of the faction the factions between the left and the right why it's not tight because they can't ever seem to come together. But I do want to remind people that the reason that we even got a Brexit vote was because of Tory infighting as well. So like, let's not pretend that both parties are not messy. But right now, oh, yeah. we are in a very weak position and we should be, we should be um, battening down the hatches and being weak with each other and fighting. If it means we all have to brawl in a room and then whoever wins comes out <laughs> on top and that's who leads the party for the next two years, fine. But you should not be briefing against each other to every other, every journalist on Twitter. Like for goodness sake, I think you make you make a really good point there um, about how both sides can be messy, and it's that messiness which has remade the Tory party. You, if it wasn't for listen, if it wasn't for Nigel Farage, all right, if it wasn't for UKIP, and then subsequently the Brexit party, 
Well, not so much Brexit party, but if it wasn't for that whole mess, Tories wouldn't have reinvented themselves. The only reason they reinvented themselves is it was a godsend for them. At the time, it looked messy, and it was messy. It's godsend, because what's it done? It's allowed them to lap up. You see, you have, you know, you talk about, I hate these sort of, when people talk about, you know, the North, as if the North is just one place. So, but, you know, let me be a hypocrite and say, okay, the North, places in the North, like Hartlepool, like the Northeast, where there's so much despair and so much just hopelessness, ironically, because of conservative austerity. <laughs> um, but because there's so much, so much of that, what happened there is, the Conservatives, as a result of all of that infighting and then reinventing themselves, were able to then lap that all up by, by giving those people a message of hope because there's so much despair. You just needed one party to give hope and they gave them hope. And that might be false yeah. hope. There was that piece in the light in the Times, there's a piece in the Times which we'll link to in the in the show notes, uh, Matthew Paris. And a line from that, he said, that is the light at the heart of the new populist Tory appeal and this cabinet knows it. As your Clactons and Hartleypools, your Rotherhams, Redcars, Doncasters, Walsalls fail to respond to what tinkering we can afford. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. He said, but essentially, it's, a, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's hope, but it's false hope. And he said, there's going to be disillusion. And, but this might not play out for another five, 10 years, by which time Boris Johnson will be long gone. And his, you know, hopefully in his eyes, his legacy will be just ruined. This is just Tory populism. It's just, there was Tory populism right. and there was Labour populism and Tory populism won. That's yep. what it is. Like, let's yep. stop pretending that like, it was, so, someone was a, a slightly right-leaning Tory populism, was slightly right-leaning populism and the other was a left-leaning populism. What the, what the issue is here is that the Labour Party is failing to realise that the populism is what they should be capitalising on because yep. that's what politics is now. It's not like left and right is very, is the minutiae between whether we, how much we privatise the NHS and how many managers we do or don't have and how much extra money we put into short start. That is what left and right is. We are fighting populism, we're doing populism and you guys want to be, you know, six managers, middle managers from Deloitte wondering why you can't win elections when you've all got the same suit on and the same haircut and everyone's white and 52. Come on, boring, boring. So for this final section of our special elections episode, we are going to be discussing the mayoral elections. So we're going to kick off with London, then we're going to talk about Manchester, then we're going to talk about other couple of places in the country. So why don't you kick off? Tell us about what happened in London town. How was my accent? Was it good? Oh, God, Corey, you're so excited. You sound like me last week. Um, yes, the London mayoral results. Khan just pipped Bailey at 1.2 million votes. That's first and second um combined but Bailey got 977,000 votes that is very close considering as somebody said he had the graphics of a laundry detergent and at one point on the campaign trail suggested that homeless people could simply save 5,000 pounds for a deposit to buy a hundred thousand pounds shared ownership property that was his solution that man got nearly a million votes which shows you that the disillusion with regards to labor is even being felt in in inner London, which is people are surprised about. The problem is Labour is, especially this new version of Labour, this right-wing Keir-led version of Labour, take are taking the votes of Londoners, of um, black, brown and ethnic minority um, voters, um, of the inner city working class. Because let's be honest, what Labour's talking about is focusing on the working class. They do not mean people who are black and of ethnic minorities who work in the city or work in central London or work in London. That's not who they mean. They're talking about people who are, you know, the retired over 65s who actually own their own home, but they're not talking about, you know, an immigrant barista or somebody, a teacher or somebody who, I don't know, works on the buses in London or whatever. It's like they're, they're skewed. They're not their idea of the working class is not all encompassing. It's very limited and they're taking us for granted and people are letting them know 
not going to run anymore. You can't think that you can talk down on your black and ethnic minority members or you can ignore them or be somewhat dismissive about them if we're being really honest and then expect them to turn out in numbers for you to vote for you, even in London. Yeah. And Sadiq Khan, the only reason that Sadiq Khan is winning is because Sean Bailey was terrible, but people were not, people are not enamored by him anymore. People, he needs to do a better job. And it's not even about people, you know, the rest of people from Dudley and wherever it is talking about what they think about London. Londoners have had enough of Sadiq Sadiq Khan. Come on. I, um, I think <laughs> they're in so much trouble. I mean, okay, yeah, the, the numbers were way closer than anybody thought. But if you think about, think about it sort of the, the black vote, all right? Uh, okay, I know, you know, caveats aside, disclaimers about it being, you know, Absolutely. it's not monolithic, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool, cool, cool. The black vote, right? So if you look at sort of our parents, our grandparents' generation, they either voted Labour or they didn't vote at all. And it's still the same now, isn't it? Whereas Absolutely. I think our generation, the generation below us, the, the millennials, Gen Zs, and whatever the next ones are, like they're not going to have that vote again. They're not. They, they don't have that vote again. No, they don't. I'm so, so. I always say to people, that, you know, every single Tory that I know is a black person. I don't know any white Tories. I mean, maybe I do, but anyone who I've spoken to about it, all the Tories I know are black. Yeah. I, listen, I, I tweeted about it yesterday. I was like, look, yeah, our grandparents are, are great. Our, our parents, yeah, cool. It's different now. And I'm, I'm not saying that we're necessarily going on mass to the Tory party, but we're either, yeah. well, there's, there's more of us going that way, but, mm -hmm. but a lot of us are just apathetic and not voting at so all. Yeah, but, but Labour, carry on, innit? Carry on, carry on, carry on banking on that vote that, that is not coming. Um, what surprised me the most, however, about, about this, and maybe you can give us some of your London um, expertise on this. I was shocked at who the third party were because the third party were not the Lib Dems. The third no, party were the Greens. Greens, but not only that, they got like double the votes of the Lib Dems. So the Greens got almost 200,000 votes and the Lib Dems got yeah. 100,000. What's that yeah. about? Again, that people are looking for a left home. They're looking for a left wing home. Well, also, they're not even just that. They're looking for somebody who is going to speak to them. Sean Berry was very clear and gave some really good interviews about what her vision was for um, Londoners, which I did have to go out and find, to be fair. But the Greens have got a strong voice. People in London do care about the environment. They do care about affordable housing. They do care about, you know, rampant gentrification. These are the things that matter to Londoners. These are the things that matter to Londoners of colour. And Labour, a lot of people don't feel like Labour taking their votes for granted. We're not going to vote for you guys. You don't count on it. Stop counting on our votes because you can't. You have to work for them. So just moving up north now uh, to there were other mayoral elections, of course. Uh, so there were the next, I guess, most high profile mayoral election was for Manchester. So Andy Burnham, yes. who used to be the health secretary in a previous life, he was the incumbent mayor of Manchester and was re-elected, uh, increased Absolutely. his vote share. So unlike um, yes, Sadiq, you know, it was wildly different up here. So he uh, he, he got 500,000 votes and the, uh, the, the conservative challenger got uh, just over 100,000 votes. So, you know, he beat her five to one as opposed to yeah. Sadiq and Bailey. Um, Smashed it. So it's yeah, yeah, he actually was it? absolutely killed it. And obviously now with what's going on with Labour, I'm seeing a lot of Labour people, especially Labour in the South, talking about how Andy Burnham's the next great hope. Listen, leave Andy alone, all right? Leave Andy. <laughs> no, Andy needs to stay up here and keep doing what he's been doing up here because I think he's oh, been yeah, a good Oh, yeah, he should mayor. do for the next um, four years. Leave him alone. 
we'll have him for the next three. Have him after that. He did. Uh, he even offered some support to the main party, a little bit of tongue in cheek, where he said, "You know, if the Labour Party needs any help, they should let me know." Yeah, which I thought was funny. Was it, yeah, he wasn't even trying to hide <laughs> because it, like, he's been. But yeah. he's been sort of let's let's be honest. He's been sort of frosted out by Keir and those guys when he was um, calling on Boris Johnson to um, make money available to the North mm-hmm. when they had to go into lockdowns again. Yeah, Keir and the rest of them were not backing him up at all. They were basically pretending like it wasn't happening. I mean, and he stood I, up and he stood up for Manchester where, you know, we were begging for them to stand up for us over here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he, he, he's, done a, he's done an absolutely amazing job. Obviously, the pandemic has, in a, you know, the pandemic has, has really made him shine even more in, term, in terms of how he's operated the government. And I think he's, he's done. I know I just said, leave him alone. And please do leave him alone. We're, we're happy with him. We've, we voted him in 67% of the vote share he got. Leave him alone, please. But saying that, he's done what Keir Starmer should have been doing since last March. Keir Starmer, Keir Starmer tried to channel his inner Clement Attlee. Keir Starmer tried to be like Labour in the 40s during the war, you know, being very, you know, during wartime, you know, backing Churchill and oh, not really, exactly. not re- you know, no. just, you know, coming together and all of that. But what Andy Burnham's nah. done, Andy Burnham's done, he, he's, he's threaded that fine line and he's done it really well. He has, he has um, supported the government where, 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 where it's been appropriate, but where it hasn't, mm-hmm. he's come out fighting. And that's what Starmer Absolutely. hasn't done. Starmer's only done he that just wanted to be, Yeah. Yeah. He's and most of the time he'd be like, statement. I agree with the government. They've made, they've made the, yeah. the correct choice. Okay, sometimes they haven't say that. Exactly. When Matt Hancock's been giving out um, contracts to his mates, coming sisters getting contracts, Dido Hardin's getting contracts, Pretty Patel spending £77,000 on their eyebrows, and you're saying, no, we're not calling for any resignations. Failure. Absolute failure. Yeah. Where's the money? Where's the money? <laughs> Um, we should just, uh, one last thing, we should also talk about the mayor of Liverpool. And uh, now Liverpool is even more confusing because they have a mayor of Liverpool city, count the city, and then they have a mayor of sort of the wider Liverpool, Merseyside region. But the mayor of, the person who was elected mayor of Liverpool, the city, was Joanne Anderson. Um, she is the first um, female MP of Liverpool, the first ethnic, mind, the first black woman to lead a major hey. British city. Um, so, you know, big props for that. Um, Love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously Labour's had a, a horrible time in Liverpool over the past year. Where Absolutely, they've had yeah. Their previous city region mayor, who annoyingly was also called, his last name was Anderson, no relation. Um, no you know, he got, you know, there's massive corruption scandal there. Yeah, so, no, I yeah, saw that. Um, you know, she's, um, she's, 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 she's done well. She's, she's the first, as I said, first black uh, female mayor of a, of a city in the UK in 2021. <laughs> you think about it, wow. Um, but yeah. it's good. So I will be watching... Uh, that from from forty miles away in Manchester, my na- the neighbour. I'll be watching the Scousers. I'm going up there this week. I'll be watching that closely because I uh, hope she does well. So do I. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NotBamePod. That's N O T B A M E Pod. If you've got a comment or a suggestion for a future show, email us NotBamePod at gmail.com. And if you're listening on iTunes, give us five stars. <laughs>